0: Hello and welcome to Hall Render's Practical Solutions Podcast and Healthcare Regulatory Update. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Wolf, and I'm a shareholder with Hall Render. We're the largest healthcare-focused law firm in the country. And today we're here to discuss fraud and compliance issues tied to healthcare real estate. Uh, And I have with me my colleagues Libby Park and Addison Bradford from Hall Render's Healthcare Real Estate Service Line. Uh, Before we dig into the content, Libby and Addison, can you introduce yourselves? I'm happy
1: to be here with you and Addison today. My name is Libby Park, and I'm an attorney practicing in Hall Render's Denver office. I'm a member of our health transactions team here in Denver, and I work primarily on transactional matters relating to real estate and land use for our health care clients across the United States. Thanks so much.
2: Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us, Joe. My name's Addison Bradford, and I'm here in our uh, Indianapolis office, and most of what Libby said applies to me um, within our health transactions group, specifically within our real estate service line, and Libby and I and the rest of the folks on our team help work on a wide variety of real estate arrangements, most of which involve at least some level um, of a compliance aspect.
0: Great. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Libby. And and thanks, Addison. And and, then I'll just add in my my practice, I focus on uh, fraud and abuse, Stark and anti-kickback compliance and physician arrangements. And and my practice delves into real estate um, as well. And I think as we start to frame up this discussion, uh, we all can agree that healthcare real estate is is already a complex area uh, in, in health law. And then when we layer on top of that other Issues and more complexity, like licensure and reimbursement and tax exemption, bond financing, uh, and then Stark and kickback. Uh, on top of that, it, it gets even more complex. And all of us that have worked are working in this space um, and working with clients nationwide. Know it's been an even added more complexity over the last few years as we've seen the the pandemic and real estate issues unfold related to that. Um, obviously, many healthcare organizations had leasing arrangements in place with physicians, um, space challenges have played out over the last few years, and now we're, we're having a discussion here today to talk about uh, some of that complexity, but we're going to do that in, a, in hopefully a very straightforward way in, in just 15 minutes. So I'm going to pose a few questions to Libby and Addison, and we'll start off with Libby. You know, Libby, first, when, when we talk about real estate in healthcare, uh, what do we mean? What are the types of, of entities and players we're talking about? And, and why does real estate matter in the healthcare space from your perspective?
1: Thanks, Joe. Uh, that's, that's a great question. And I think your initial introduction to healthcare real estate more broadly was right on point. Um, and a great intro for what we're kicking off here today. Uh, Generally speaking, healthcare real estate encompasses any real property and land use issue that a healthcare entity may be dealing with. And substantively, this can mean a lot of things like commercial leasing, uh, purchasing and selling real property, medical development of healthcare campuses and medical office buildings. Uh, We also deal with things like tax exemption, for real property, zoning compliance, uh, negotiating easements and land use agreements, uh, performing environmental inspections and remediations, and also compliance and licensure issues that are tied to real estate and real property. Uh, In terms of the entities that healthcare real estate affects, this is also very broad. Uh, We work with hospitals and healthcare systems nationwide as well as individual providers, uh, physicians, dentists, physical therapists, for example, who are looking to start practices or secure space where they can provide care to patients. Healthcare entities range from large urban providers to small rural hospitals and healthcare systems. It really, uh, really runs the gamut. And even with the increase in telehealth and transition to virtual care that we've seen over the past, two years during the COVID pandemic, we're still seeing that there is a need for real property space and healthcare providers need these brick and mortar locations to provide care to patients or also administrative uses. That's a broad overview.
2: If I can add to that, I think one of the the challenges from when it comes to healthcare real estate is a lot of the players are not healthcare entities, especially when it comes to uh, commercial landlords that there might be leasing from. Um, or even uh, developers who don't have experience within the healthcare space, the, one of the challenges we face is educating a lot of those non-healthcare parties about the regulatory environment in which hospitals, healthcare providers um, sit in, and how that dictates the terms of, of the agreements that those parties enter into.
0: That's a good, good thought and great thoughts from both of you. I mean. I- Addison, that, that's been my experience as well. You're asking a, a landlord or a commercial a property developer to step into our healthcare world with all of these uh, additional levels of, of regulations and, and make sure that you know we're helping them uh, mitigate risk and, and under, under this different framework that is very different from any other industry. So appreciate those comments. I think that's a good segue to the, the regulatory piece a bit, and my next question would be for Addison, you know, for us who who work in this space, we understand that there are some special rules, notably the Stark Law and the anti-kickback statute that create a a framework that we need to follow when we're contracting with, especially with physicians, but in the healthcare space, especially with an entity or or a provider that uh, makes referrals. And in, in that context, sometimes there's a need to self disclose as well. So I know, Addison, you've been close to some recent judgment data and self disclosure data related to real estate. And what, if anything, does that data available related to Stark and Kickback tell us about lease provisions and more generally about other real estate arrangements that may trip parties up in this healthcare space?
2: Yeah, so we, we track. Uh, settlement data that OIG and CMS puts out uh, as to the anti-kickback statute and, Stark, uh, and the Stark law respectively, as well as monitor the, the settlement and judgment data that the DOJ puts out. And although there are, there are gaps in some of that data, we can see from those settlements and judgments general trends and maybe what the, the government's most concerned about and just generally the types of arrangements that are tripping parties up. I'll tell you, the one trend we generally see is that the real estate compliance issues can often be a sign of a bigger compliance um, issues within the organization outside of real estate. So not too many of the settlements and judgments we see are just related to real estate. It might be physician comp and real estate. It's a number of other items. So I think it's interesting is that it it, it could be a sign of, uh, of something bigger going on with an organization. But in terms of the real estate specific IDA or settlements and judgments we see, a lot of what we see is so-called sham real estate arrangements where where it's a physician or a hospital or uh, some other provider is leasing space that they don't intend to use so that the um, owner of the building is getting that real revenue, but ultimately they're not using that space. In, in other cases, it's it's way below fair market value rent. One of the essential elements of fitting within the rental of office space exception under Stark and within the space rental safe harbor is that the rental rate be fair market value. And there are a number of settlements and judgments where that isn't the case. And, and, and that makes sense to a certain extent. Yeah. Not everyone that has been subject to these settlements and judgments is presumably acting deferiously, but... Fair market value isn't readily known necessarily. We it's it's why parties engage appraisers and even brokers to opine on what the fair market value is. So they they may say, oh, I think this is market, but you know, especially the commercial landlord, the commercial landlord who's not dealing with healthcare might say, well, this rate's this rate's market. It's not a big deal. Then they sell the building to a, a different provider, and the relationship becomes subject to Stark and Kickback. And they realize, oh, it actually actually wasn't fair market value. So, given the least specific nature in that context of Stark and Kickback, it makes sense that a lot of those settlements and judgments stem from fair market value issues.
0: Great. Thanks, Addison. And and staying in line with the compliance discussion, uh, Libby, I know you assist healthcare uh, entities with their commercial leasing arrangements. Uh, What are the types of lease terms and compliance considerations that they should be uh, considering?
1: Thanks so much for that question, Joe. Uh, You're exactly right. And a lot of the points that Addison touched on in his response are relevant to commercial leasing arrangements as well, uh, both from uh, compliance language perspective and also documentation that we need to ensure is included in the, the file for each leasing arrangement. Uh, a commercial lease has both business terms and legal terms and I'll, I'll touch on on both of these sort of buckets of, of what we want to consider in a commercial leasing arrangement. Uh, first, we'll, we'll touch on business terms, which can vary significantly depending on the negotiating power of the healthcare client, as well as the physical location of the property. Uh, things that healthcare clients consider when entering into these types of arrangements are the term of the lease. So, for example, how many years will the initial term be? Do we want to be in the space for five years or 10 years? Are we gonna negotiate subsequent renewal options for this arrangement to uh, lock down the security of the space for additional years? Uh, Rent, this is of course a big one, but healthcare providers want to be able to lock in favorable financial terms for cost savings on rent and also potentially secure tenant improvement allowance to help build out their space. Um, Other considerations are expansion rights, considering do we want to lease Adjacent space in the building if that becomes available or potentially purchase the space Um, assignment provision that's another business term where a healthcare entity may want to build in the flexibility to assign or transfer the lease without having to obtain landlord consent. uh, Down the line, Uh, the last business term i'll touch on is an exclusive use provision and this uh, type of provision in a lease prohibits a landlord from leasing space to a competing entity or another healthcare entity that's providing the same type of healthcare services in in the building. Um, Let's transition a little bit to compliance considerations. And each healthcare client should assess and uh, flush out if their lease agreement is implicated by Stark and AKS, and there's a couple ways that we advise clients to do this. Uh, One of this is requesting that the landlord complete a compliance questionnaire or certification, and this essentially is a landlord self-disclosure and agreement um, documenting if there is position ownership in the landlord entity, Um, and if the landlord's an individual, is this individual a physician um, or an immediate family member of a physician. If the landlord is an entity like a limited liability company, um, we ask that entity to certify if there's any physician ownership in the interest of the landlord entity. Um, And depending on on what we see in this certification, we can tailor the language of the lease to ensure that the the necessary compliance language is included in the lease agreement itself. I wanna touch a little bit on how we document the fair market value of rent in commercial leasing arrangements. Um, As Addison pointed out, this can really be an important piece of ensuring that the lease is compliant Um, And and what we do here is generally connect with a broker or an appraisal and have a broker opinion of value document that rental rate as well as any incentives like tenant improvement allowance are in fact uh, commercially reasonable and consistent with fair market value for the specific location of the premises in the country. And so having that documentation and ensuring Uh, that the rental rate is within what is considered commercially reasonable uh, is very important. Uh, Two other items that we ensure are in commercial leasing arrangements are a floor plan that documents with specificity exactly the space that the healthcare tenant will be using, Um, and then the compliance language that we include are things like representations and warranties from both landlord and tenant that neither is an excluded provider um, under any of the federal healthcare programs. Um, We also include specific HIPAA, Stark, and AKS uh, written language that both parties agree to in the commercial lease agreement.
0: Great, thanks Libby. Um, And I think I have the last question for, uh, I'll I'll give a wrap up question in in a second, but just a question for Addison. Um, and we previewed earlier that the challenges around COVID. Now we, we know there are market challenges out there as well. I think particularly related to inflation. I think inflation right now is at its highest in the past 40 years. Uh, Addison, how do you, how do you anticipate um, and draft around changing market conditions like this uh, when you're working on, on healthcare real estate arrangements in, in order to reduce the likelihood of compliance issues in the future years? How do you tackle that?
2: Yeah, the, the first step is just anticipating what those might be based off of the, the particular relationship you're looking at. So we've we've talked about leasing a lot thus far. So the example, if you have a 20-year lease agreement, well, you know, you, you need to anticipate that you know the markets may change a lot more during that time, such that the rental rate may you may need some mechanism to adjust the fair market value or to make adjust that rental rate to make sure it's fair market value. It's like one, one of the things we're seeing right now, especially with inflation being what it is, is the consumer price index is, I think, is somewhere around 8% or it, it can vary slightly, but it's at significantly higher than, than maybe the 1% to 2% we're used to. And, and many leases escalate the, the base or the annual rent based on that CPI index. So, I mean, in, in some cases, you're having an 8% increase in the rent. And I mean that's really significant. And can not to say in every case it's going to push the the rental rate outside of fair market value, but certainly in some cases it will. So it's anticipating those kinds of those kinds of items and potentially setting, for example, every five years, redetermining what that fair market value rental rate. Building in those provisions to make sure that yeah it may, may be fair market value today, it may be commercial reasonable today, or the relate or the relationship more generally. Maybe be okay, but in ten years, there is some mechanism to to, to address um, any of those issues. And then I think that the second thing I'll note on this is the you know reimbursement costs are, from what I understand, are continuing to you know go down in some cases, and you know all hospital operating margins are you know getting slimmer. So I think it's there will likely be some folks that are are looking to to cut costs, but I think just I think just from approaching a healthcare real estate standpoint and predicting the future is to remain and to stay vigilant and negotiating, you know, healthcare real estate arrangements to make sure that they are consistent, the the different healthcare regulatory laws and regulations that apply to them, even in the midst of, you know, a a difficult market in which many of our clients are operating in.
0: Great, thanks, Thanks, Addison. Just a final question wrapping up. Uh, do the two of you have a, a final thought for those listening in to, to today's podcast? And, and Libby, why don't you go first?
1: Sure, Joe. I would just like to say thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, if I can ever help you with any healthcare, real estate related issues, particularly in this uh, changing environment as we transition out of the COVID pandemic, please feel free to reach out to me directly.
0: Great. And, and Addison?
2: Yeah, the last, the last piece I'll advise is, I know, especially, it seems like we're always, or, or especially in the healthcare real estate realm, when we're, when we're working with a lot of developers, uh, the healthcare real estate attorneys can see, like, impediments uh, to getting the deal done. Uh, I can and slow down that process, but I think just the challenge with thinking about the role that um, attorneys and counsel play in this is realizing that they're they're an asset on these deals, because ultimately, you know if we're if there's a compliance action that arises out of one of these deals it might be way more expensive than the you know X number of dollars it took longer to negotiate or that you're paying it paying in rent so I think you know might just my caution or, or challenge to folks was to just maybe to have that mindset when reaching out to us or in-house folks.
0: It, those are some good thoughts and you know at in, in our firm we again, are the largest healthcare-focused law firm in the country, and, and we are all day answering questions in this specific healthcare space. So, you know, to your point, Addison, I'm, some of my favorite calls are where a, a new client says, oh, I, I didn't know you could just answer these kind of questions on the phone. And, and, and we, we also have many situations where, where we've had that question over and over again and, and are able to add value immediately. So that, that those are some good thoughts. Appreciate that. And I appreciate everyone for listening in. Uh, thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about fraud and compliance issues in healthcare real estate, please visit our website at hallrender.com or reach out to Libby at lpark at hallrender.com, Addison at abradford at hallrender.com, or your regular Hall Render attorney. Uh, please remember the views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants only and do not constitute legal advice. Thanks and have a great day.